Back in April, it was actually April the 19th, I taught lesson one of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm up to lesson nine. It's been six months. We've had revival, long couple of revivals, uh, conferences, different things. And uh, when I started, they actually asked me to teach at a symposium on this subject. And, uh, and I knew I was going to take quite a, a bit of preparation. And so I thought, well, I'll just do a series on it at church. And so when I prepare, I'll prepare for both things at once. And uh, here I am six months later, just now getting to lesson nine. And uh, the, only the third fruit of the Spirit. In April, I didn't know what would be going on in the world. In October, I sure didn't know that I'd be just now getting to it. But tonight, I want to talk about peace. Amen. Anybody need peace? If you need peace, I know where you can get it tonight. Amen. Galatians 5, through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Everybody say peace. God, I praise you and I thank you for your people, for your church. God, for your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint our ears to hear. Anoint me to teach and preach your word. Let the seed find good ground and let it bring forth a harvest in our hearts. God, I pray, let it accomplish what you've sent it forth for in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Amen. I am thankful. I, I preached Sunday night about seed time and harvest. And I, I said when I was preaching that I expected that we would hear about miracles and that God would move. And I got a text from somebody of a healing. God healed their body. I got, and then I got a other text. I think we got another message of a financial miracle that happened for somebody. And then right before service, we got a report of another miracle. So thank the Lord that God is fulfilling his word tonight. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. When we talk about fruit, according to the Greek definition of the word fruit, it's that which originates or comes from something. It is an effect of or a result of the work of something. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what we're talking about is something that comes into our lives from the Spirit of God. It is an effect, it affects of the Spirit in our lives. How many believe that once we have the Holy Ghost, that it ought to do a work in us? Amen. I heard somebody, I heard somebody say, uh, I think it was Brother Nathan Roberts from Missouri. Uh, he said in a, in a post or something he did yesterday, he said that God loves us just like we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. Isn't that awesome? 
Amen. And I know, I know that the Holy Ghost wants to do something in our lives. The dictionary definition defines fruit as the result of or the reward of work or activity. Therefore, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what we're talking about are the things that take place in our lives as a result from the activity of the Holy Ghost in our lives. When I began this series, obviously I, I said a minute ago, it was in preparation for, for an event that I was teaching at, but, uh, but I didn't know, I didn't know when we were, when I was working on this and starting this whole series that uh, I didn't know that we were going to be needing peace now more than we've needed it in a long, long time. But, but thank God that God has perfect timing and he knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And so that makes me believe that somebody in this place or somebody watching online, probably several in both, needs to hear this word. And God, if that's the fact, then that means that God is planning on helping somebody with peace in Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm glad that God has us on his mind. Amen. The word peace means more than the absence of war or trouble. Peace is more than just not having war. Peace denotes a state of wholeness, soundness, and prosperity. Peace is not peace if it's only the absence of trouble. But true peace is not just the absence of trouble, but it's when God begins to do a work in us. I know people who have no war or conflict but also have no peace. And I know people who are going through trouble and trial, but they have inner peace through all of it. It is the fruit of, the, of being spirit-led and spirit-controlled. Again, peace is not just the absence of conflict in life but it's the ability through the Holy Ghost to cope with whatever may come our way. And I believe that God wants to help his people tonight. Amen. In Isaiah chapter number eight, the man of God prophetically saw the times of the coming of the Messiah. He described the cultural circumstances that would exist at his advent. He said in chapter 8, throughout the chapter, he said that there would be those who would, would seek, there were people who would seek those with familiar spirits and wizards, talking about witchcraft and sorcery. He saw that there was, according to Isaiah 8, that there would be those that would speak not according to God's word because there was no light in them. They would speak, but it wouldn't be according to the word of God. They would speak words, maybe even preach, but because they don't have the light of the spirit, then it's not the truth of the word. The end result, according to Isaiah 8, was that the people would be spiritually hungry and that mankind would fret and even curse their God. And if you've ever, if you've paid much attention to what's happening in the world, you'll know that the fastest growing religion in America is atheism. Did you know that? That the fastest growing religion in America is atheism. It's people that have decided 
that they don't want a God and they don't need God. And it comes as a result from all the stuff going on in the world. He described, the prophet described the earth in these terms, that there would be darkness, trouble, darkness, and dimness of anguish. That the world would be in trouble, darkness, and dimness of anguish. And then, in the midst of this horrible condition described in Isaiah chapter number 8, the prophet didn't put down his pen and quit writing, but the Holy Ghost began to speak to him again, and he picked up his pen again, and he wrote in Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And then he added this title at the end, The Prince of Peace. It's important to understand the contextual condition of this prophecy. It did not come after the prophet wrote, everything's wonderful and everything's great and everything's beautiful. And then Jesus came. He said, the earth is in darkness, anguish, sorcery, witchcraft, evil, trouble, tribulation. And in the middle of all that mess on the scene arrives a savior, a Messiah, God manifested in the flesh the express image of the invisible God. The man that the Bible said, when you looked at Jesus, you were looking at the Father. The prophet said he is a son given. He is wonderful. He's counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting Father. And all of these titles are great, and they're all true, and they're all awesome. But in a world that has anguish and darkness and chaos, there was one more name need, needing to be given, and that is that he is the Prince of Peace. Amen. So I've come tonight to say that Jesus comes when there's anguish and darkness and trouble, when there's all kinds of chaos. That's the kind of world that Jesus shows up in. Amen. He is the prince of peace. There's peace in anguish. Can I tell you that tonight? There's peace in darkness and trouble and tribulation. He is peace in a world that has no light. I know that, the, that people, when they look at the world and they see the things that are going on in the world, when you look at this world and you take God out of it and you just see what's happening in the cities and neighborhoods and nations of this world, you don't have to look very hard to realize that there's trouble and anguish and darkness everywhere. And people would tempt, be tempted to say the world is so bad that there's no way that God can do anything. I contend and I tell you that the fact that the world is so bad is proof that Jesus is getting ready to do something because he's the prince of peace. I've seen people, I've seen people going through trials and tribulations I've seen good people going through difficult circumstances, going through seasons. And when I say seasons, I'm not talking about just a couple of days or a couple of weeks. 
one of the problems with, with reading the Bible, and, and don't turn me off now because I'm not saying there's a problem with reading the Bible. Let me explain what I'm saying. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you're looking on one page and there's a terrible war or a terrible calamity, and you turn the page. And in that one page turn, next thing you know, everything's changed and everything's better and God's shown up and there's victory. But what you don't understand is sometime in turning that page, there's, it's more than just a night or two or a few hours or a few days. There are seasons in life where you will go through circumstances and situations and you'll wonder, God, how long am I going to have to go through it? You don't believe that? The prophet Habakkuk, in chapter 1 of his, of his prophecy, he said, God, how long will I call unto you and you won't hear me? Notice what he said. He didn't say, I'm calling unto you and you won't answer. He said, God, I'm calling and it feels like you're not even listening to me. I know nobody's ever felt that way before, but I felt that way before. But what you have to understand is that God's ears and his hearing is not defined by if, you, by if you feel like he's listening or not. Amen. He is the prince of peace. And sometimes when you go through seasons of trouble and trial, you need a confirmation and you need a reassurance that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I know he's wonderful, and I felt him be wonderful, and I know he's counselor and the mighty God, but there have been times when all I needed was just a little reassurance that, God, everything's going to be all right. Amen. Bishop Wilson, I've quoted you twice this week when you said, when you say that it's going to be all right in the end, and if it's not all right, it's not the end. Amen. And I'm telling you, sometimes you just need to know that he is the prince of peace. To me, to me, it's important to understand the condition that this prophecy came in. It was darkness, it was trouble, it was anguish, it was sorcery and witchcraft and all of that mess. And in the middle of all that, he said, I'm still the prince of peace. Don't forget that you can have peace in the middle of all of this mess. Let me, let me go on a little bit more. I didn't plan on getting stuck there that long. The word prince in the Hebrew, the definition of the word prince, it, it means to be the captain that has the rule over or the master, the ruler. You know, we, we put it in terms of the British monarch, you know, the prince and all that mess stuff. If you're British, you got to do better. I just got... I just got our page canceled in, in uh, the UK. It, it mean, the word prince here, it's not like, like, like the, the monarchy. And, and it means the captain that has the rule over, the master, the ruler, the keeper. When it says the prince of peace, what he's saying is the captain that has rule over peace, the master of peace, the keeper of peace. The word peace there means safety, to be well, to be happy, to have health, to have prosperity, to have favor, to have rest, to be sound and complete, to be content. Its definition goes on to say that peace, the definition of the Hebrew word, it goes on to say that peace is based on relationship with God 
especially a covenant relationship. You cannot truly have lasting peace, eternal peace, without being in a covenant relationship with God. Your relationship with God is the foundation for peace. Amen. You have to be in covenant with God. If you're not in covenant with God, you can't expect the, the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit of peace. To have the fruit of the Spirit, you have to have the Spirit. Right? Amen. Everybody got that? That's easy, isn't it? And so I want to have a covenant relationship with him. You come into covenant with God by being born again. When you obey the gospel, you come into a covenant with God. You say, you'll be my God, and God says, you'll be my people. When we come into covenant with God, then we have access to the prince of peace. Jesus is the master, the ruler, the keeper of peace. You cannot look to politicians. Amen. Amen. If just our guy was in the White House, or if our guy was the governor, or if our guy was the mayor, or, or if our gal was the mayor or the governor, then everything would be okay and we'd all be... No, you can't trust politicians. They're not the prince of peace. They might do the best they can, but that doesn't give them the ability to really bring peace. You can't trust the pundits. You can't, touch sec you can't trust secular worldly sources as the hope for peace. It is simply not in earthly sources to give true peace. Amen. Under the direction of the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians about the coming of the Lord. Here's what he said. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Oh, praise God. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a promise. Amen. Can I... I've had some people the last the last few weeks. I've talked to some folks, and I've heard them say things like, like, uh, like, like I I don't want the Lord to come back right now. I want Him to wait so I can get married and have kids, or, or I don't want Him to come back right now. I want to watch my kids grow up. And and my answer to that is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, the world is going to get in such a condition that the church is going to start praying, come quickly. I'm in the Bible right now. Part of the problem is that the world is, we've got it so good. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think, now again, you understand, I'm preaching this is what I think. I'm not saying this is 100% Bible doctrine, okay? But I think that the tribulation could start in other parts of the world before we even realize it here because we're insulated by our economy and by our system and all of that, and that things could be happening uh, in other parts of the world and we wouldn't even necessarily realize it until it had already begun. And so what I'm saying, my, my word to the church is that there's gonna come a time when people are gonna be saying, God, come quickly, Lord, come quickly. And the very elect 
the very the church and that if the Lord the Lord's going to look at the church and he's going to say if I don't come the very elect might lose faith and so I'm saying come quickly those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord it's a promise amen it's a promise the very, I, 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 was, I was preaching a week ago Sunday night, I was preaching a week ago Sunday night, a message right, titled, You Are Here, and, uh, and I, made a comment, I made a quote of my pastor that I had growing up, and, uh, and he said that, that the coming of the Lord is either a promise or a threat, and if it's a threat, it can be a promise. You can get right, and it'll be a promise, and I was preaching at uh, at. Brother, my pastor was Brother James Ball, and I was preaching at one of his grandson's church over the weekend, dedicating a brand new building that they just bought and remodeled. And while I was getting ready to preach, he, made, he quoted his grandfather the exact same thing. So I thought, God, you're trying to tell me something. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to tell you that the coming of the Lord is a threat to some people and a promise to others. If it feels like a threat, say, God, help me do whatever I got to do to be right. Because the greatest promise in the book is that the Lord is coming back for those that have made themselves ready. I'm thankful for every miracle, but a miracle is not the best thing you can have. I'm thankful for every healing, but a healing is not the best thing you can have. I'm thankful for every financial blessing. I'm thankful for every time that he gives me peace and joy. But the most important thing that I'll ever have is hear that trumpet sound and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God, I want to be saved more than I want anything else. Lord, I want to be saved more than a... What a promise. The very next verse, he says... He says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the very next verse, verse 18 says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The word comfort means to console or encourage, to comfort, to admonish. It's to bring peace to your fellow believer by reminding them that this world is not home. The trials of this world are not permanent. The tribulations, the wars, the battles of this life are only temporary. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Thank God I've come to comfort somebody and tell you Jesus is coming back. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond. I'm telling you, that's what we should be. And there's going to come a day when the world is going to be so much in chaos that the best thing you can tell somebody is, hold on, Jesus is coming back just a little while, yet a little while. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18. And then as you turn into 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, Here's what Paul said in chapter 5 and verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. You cannot look to this world for peace, because when they cry peace and safety, sudden destruction. My point simply is this. 
that you must look to Jesus Christ as the source of your peace. When the world declares peace and safety, sudden destruction comes. Paul wrote to the Ephesians about the cultural contrasts that existed in the early church between Gentiles and Jews. Gentiles came from an idolatrous background. The Jews had been radically committed to that one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When the Jews became Christians, there was not a lot of change that had to happen to them from a worship perspective. They had been raised to worship and raised to pray. They were raised to love the Word of God. They were raised under the Ten Commandments that ordered life and morality. When they became Christians, there wasn't a whole lot of change that really had to happen as far as their lifestyle was concerned. But for the Gentiles, it wasn't that way. The Gentiles came from idol-worshiping backgrounds. Their cultures were full of immoral acts and rituals. Their customs were totally different. There, these different backgrounds and customs often caused tension between the Jewish converts and the Gentile converts. And Paul described this as a wall between the two groups. He reminded the Ephesian church of their cultural background. Here's what he tells them in Ephesians 2 and 11. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. He's, here's what he He says, you were Gentiles in the flesh. You've got to remember that you came from a background that's what he's telling them. Your background is Gentile. In verse 2, he says, At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You didn't have anything in common with God's people, with Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. He said, not only did you not have Christ, you were strangers. You were aliens from the commonwealth. You were, you, were, you were not Jew. You didn't have the traditions, the background. You didn't have the history of faith that we had. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You didn't know anything about the things that bring promises into your life. You were not in covenant with God. You had no promises and you had no hope, and you were without God in the world. He's saying, here's how different your background is from our background. Jews are different from Gentiles. Their backgrounds, this is what Paul's saying. Are you still with me? He's saying, you come from such a different background, that's why we're having all these issues. And so how do we blend a bunch of people whose past experiences and worldviews are so different from those that have been raised around the temple, their customs, their way of life, their man. How do, we, how do we start to learn to get along with people that have such different mindsets? How can someone raised in idolatry and witchcraft 
coexist in harmony with somebody who's always been raised in truth. I'm going to tell you, it's not in Jews and Gentiles to get along. Thousands of years of history prove that. I got one yeah out of everybody. Thank you, Brother David. <laughs> and they're dropping bombs on each other now. So how did the Ephesians and the Corinthians and the Thessalonians and the Greeks and the Philippians and the Romans and the Hebrew Christians coexist and create a movement that turned the world upside down? Verse 13 of Ephesians 2, the very next verse. But now... Everybody say, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He said, you were Gentiles in the flesh. We were over here and you were over here. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. And we're over here. We're the people. Of, and he said, we're so far apart. But what happened is the blood of Jesus has made us. You were far off, but now the blood of Jesus has made us both nigh. It brought us together. We had nothing in common until the blood of Jesus started working on us. We had nothing, and we didn't think alike, we didn't act alike, we didn't worship alike, we didn't pray alike, we didn't do anything alike until the blood of Jesus started working, and then it began to bring us together. Oh, hallelujah. Remember, he said, you were without Christ, but look at verse number 14. He said, for he is our peace. Amen. He is our peace. You're made nigh by the blood of Christ because he's our peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down that middle wall of partition between us. Can I tell you it wasn't the virtue of the Gentiles or the virtue of the Jews. But it was because Jesus tore down the wall. He's our peace. And I'm going to tell you if you'll let him he'll still tear down walls between you and somebody else. We have him in common. Amen. Can I preach a little bit more to you? Philippians 4, Philippians 4 and 6. Still talking about peace. Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing. That word careful, that's that in, the, in the King James it says be careful for nothing and it makes it sound like, you know, just skydive without a parachute. It'll be okay. The angels will let you land. That's foolish. Don't do that. I used to tease. I used to tease my wife when I'd be driving, and she, you know, one time, brother Sam, we were leaving to go to Indiana, and we left our house, and by the time we got to the end of your, to that stop sign by your house, she was already asleep. It was a long time ago. She didn't sleep that good anymore. But I used to tease her. I used to, I used to drive down the road, and I would close this eye like I was asleep, and I'd have this one wide open, but I'd just, don't drive with your eyes closed. That's not what this verse is saying. Be careful for nothing. It, doesn't, it does not mean that. It mean, the word careful there means anxious. Be anxious about nothing. 
but in everything. Everybody say everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't be anxious about things. He, he, he didn't say, he said, he said, be don't, he said, be careful for nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Well, that's hard to do. It's hard to do. A couple days ago, I had a hard time. I, had to, I, was, I was driving through these, and I like the drive out here, especially that section where the cell phone service drops. That's my favorite part. I'll drive really fast until I get that spot, and then I drive slow. Had to remind myself, don't be anxious. Let God work it out. He didn't say be anxious, be, be careful for some things. He said for nothing. That means there is nothing that can come in your life that he can't help you with. There is not a single thing, no matter how big and how bad and how terrible it looks, there is not a single thing that will come into your life that he cannot give you peace in the middle of. He said, be anxious for nothing, right? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He said, by prayer, everybody say prayer, and supplication. We can do a whole long study on the difference between prayer and supplication. I will tell you that supplication is prayer. It's a type of prayer, but there's more to prayer than supplication. The main difference between prayer and supplication is that supplication is the kind of prayer that includes making a request. You can pray without asking God for anything. Lord, thank you. Lord, I, I worship you. God, I'm dealing with this, with this situation. I don't really know what to do. And I just, you ever just talk to God and just tell him? But, but he said by prayer, you talk to God about it, but supplication is in asking him something about it, to do something about it. So he says, let everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So prayer is talking to God about it. Supplication is asking God to do something about it. And thanksgiving is thanking God before he's even done it. Amen. And here's what the apostle said. If you're dealing with anxiety, then what you do is Everything you're anxious about, you talk to God about it, you ask God to do something about it, and then you thank him for doing something before he's even done it. Am I in the Bible? Is it still up there? Is that what it says? In everything, be anxious for nothing. So anything in your life that's bringing anxiety and anxiousness to you, Whatever it is, financial issue, health issue, sometimes you feel anxious, you don't even know what you feel anxious about, you just do. He said, whenever you're dealing with anything like that, here's what you do. In everything, say everything. By prayer, God, 
I don't know why. I woke up this morning and I feel this, this uneasiness. I don't even know why. Yeah, anybody ever wake up? Now, anybody ever wake up and you feel like something bad's going to happen? You got no reason to? All you did was wake up and you just feel like there's, you know, like there's just something like just there's going to be some, something's going to happen. Anxiety. I must be preaching the wrong crowd tonight. Y'all can be dismissed. I'll finish this message to myself. I might be the only one that needs it. Whatever the anxiety is, whatever it might be, he said, be anxious about nothing in everything by prayer. God, I don't even know why I feel this way today. I just do. Or God, I, 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 I hadn't been feeling good and I'm afraid it's going to be whatever. God, I, I got all these bills coming up and everything's more expensive and I don't know how I'm going to make it work. God, I'm, I'm nervous if I'm, if I'm going to be able to make it. God, my kids, they're growing up and everything's more expensive and I just don't know how I'm going to work. He said, he said, look, in everything, by prayer, talk to God about it and then ask God to do something about it. God, make a way. I'm asking you, God, to intervene. I, I don't know why, my, why I'm struggling with the stuff I'm struggling, but God, I need you to intervene and I need you to help me. And then he said, with thanksgiving. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that some people don't have more prayers answered is they pray and they ask, but they don't thank God for it. The apostle said, with thanksgiving. It takes faith to thank God for something that's not manifested yet. It's easy to say thank you. When you open the envelope and there's a check in the mail, it's easy to say thank you when you do that. But can you say thank you before you go to the mailbox? Can you say thank you before you got the call from the doctor? It's easy when the doctor said, hey, I didn't find anything. But can you say thank you, God? Amen. Sister Angela, I like what you told me about your daughter. There was an issue. She's been at the hospital. There was an issue. And she told her mom. She said, I, I hope everything works out, but whatever happens, I just trust God and everything's going to be all right. And then right before service, 30 minutes later, she came to me and said, I just got a call. They're sending her home. Everything's all right. The question is, I know you can pray and supplicate, but can you give thanks when you don't know how it's going to turn out, when you don't know what's going to happen? But the apostle said in everything, right? Is that what he said? In everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Amen. Everybody say pray. Everybody say supplication. Everybody say thanksgiving. The very next verse, that was Philippians 4 and 6. Now let's see what 4 and 7 says. After you've prayed, done supplication and thanksgiving. And the peace of God, whew, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Whew, hallelujah. Not the peace the world gives, not the peace that the because when the world cries peace and safety, destruction comes. But the peace of God, and when God gives peace, it's settled, folks. 
and the peace of God that passes all understanding. God, I don't understand why. In the middle of all this, I just have faith it's going to be okay. One way or another, it's going to be all right. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The word keep, everybody say keep. Look at somebody, if there's somebody close and say keep. If there's somebody close enough, reach out and touch him on the shoulder and say, keep. The word keep in the Greek, it means to be a watcher in advance. Whew, I like that. It's like somebody looking down the road. It's watching in advance. It's like a lookout looking ahead and making sure everything's going to be all right where you're going, not necessarily right where you are, but where you're going. He said, I'll, I'll watch for you in advance. Before you even get there, I'll already be there for you. To guard as a sentinel, to him in and protect. The peace of God will guard to protect. It's like a military guard. Here's the, I'm still reading the definition. To guard, to protect by a military guard, to prevent hostile invasion, or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city to, and to preserve them. God will keep your heart and mind. Amen. Amen. I want you to close your eyes right now because there's some folks in here that you thought you were losing your mind. And you've been afraid that you're teetering on the edge of a breakdown. But my Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication, and giving of thanks. Make your requests be known to God and the God, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, will protect and guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. God, you're going to keep my mind and you're going to keep my heart. If I do what your word says, God, your word promises me that your peace will keep my heart and mind. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord here for somebody. Maybe it's somebody watching online, either now or at some point in the future, and they're going to need this word at just the right time. I'm telling you that if you'll do what the Bible says, the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. Let me go to the very next verse, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, everybody say think, think on these things. Brothers and sisters, you must learn to control your thoughts. Don't dwell on the worst-case scenario all the time. Don't sit around and imagine all the terrible things that could go wrong. Finally, brethren, he's finishing. He's telling you, this is how you, you want to end your battle with anxiety. Here's part of it. You pray, supplication, give thanks, and then you must try your best to fill your mind with things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. 
You have a responsibility to do your best to try to fill your mind with things of faith. You can't just let your mind run wild. I know, I'm, I know, I know there's times. I've been in times myself where it's been difficult. I've, I've been in seasons where I've dealt with depression where I couldn't make myself think positive. I tried and I tried and I would go down lists. I would make lists of all the good things and I tried and I couldn't make, but, but then I, what I had to make sure that I did was I feed my brain with faith. In the middle of that battle, I found a message by a friend of mine that he preached about the God of the struggler. And I listened to that sermon probably 20 times in three days. I played it, Bishop, I played it over and over and over and over and over till the point that I almost had it memorized because, because I knew the Bible said I got to fill my mind with things of faith. It was, I was in a battle and I could either give up or I could fight. And so you must learn and practice the discipline of feeding your mind with things of faith. I made a decision years ago. Every time I would listen to the news and all these people that they all want you to think what they want you to think, not necessarily given the truth. They want you to think what they want you to think, and that's on both sides. And it, it was always turmoil and fighting and these, this against that and, all, and it's constant. And I just made a decision. I ain't listening to it anymore. And, man, I have had so much better time than listening to all those eggheads. One time I got invited to the White House because of the position I was holding in an organization. I went to the White House. I might have mentioned this the other night. And, uh, man, I saw these. I saw all these senators and stuff, you know, that, that in the news are always arguing with each other, and they'll put one of them up, and he'll say one thing, and the other guy will get on and say, well, he's crazy, and it's not like that, and you know, that, you know how they do. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, under, uh, in, the, in the lower level of the congressional building, there's a congressional dining room, and do you know that those same people that are in the news fussing and fighting when they're done, they go downstairs and they eat together and laugh and cut up. And Republicans and Democrats, they're just sitting there all cutting up and laughing and eating together. They're getting you wound up, and then they go downstairs and have fun with each other and laugh. And My point is you have to be careful what you feed yourself, what you feed your mind and your spirit. I'm not telling you to be like an ostrich and stick your your head in the sand and just pretend like there's no, no world going on. But what I'm saying is there's some, you, if, if you're dealing with anxiety and stress, you've got to feed your spiritual man. That was verse eight. Can I go just, I'm, I'm almost done. This is my last verse, believe it or not. You probably do believe it. Philippians four and nine, the very next verse. Let me go back and read eight one more time. Let me just read eight one more time. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I like how the apostle brought praise into it. That, that what you feed your mind is a matter of praise as well. Look at the next verse, verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard 
and seen in me. What's the next word? Do. What you've learned, what you've received, heard, and seen, modeled, do it. Can I tell you that if you don't do what the Word of God says, what you've been preached, what you've been taught, what you've heard in the Word of God, if you don't do it, you can't expect peace. Praise God. Wow. I know that goes against this modern religious idea that you can just do whatever you want whenever you want and God's just going to have to take it. He's our heavenly boyfriend and he's going to pat us on the head and say everything's all right. But the apostle said that if you really want peace, then the things you've learned, received, heard, and seen, do it. And when you've done it, and the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, you can trust the God of peace shall be with you. So I'm closing now. I'm closing now. Let's recap. Let's recap Philippians. All right? Philippians 4. Pray, supplication, with thanksgiving, control your thoughts, do the things that you've heard, seen, and received. And if you do your part, the Bible says, the God of peace shall be with you. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, hallelujah, as your eyes are closed. Brother Ethan, why don't you come on up? As your eyes are closed and you lift your hands to heaven. Amen. There is peace in the midst of a storm. I'm telling you, I don't know. I, I, I feel compelled by the Holy Ghost. I think that there's people, some people here, you've been dealing with some stuff things in life and you needed what you've heard tonight sometimes I start these series like April the 19th I started this series and here we are tonight on peace I'd like to think that God orchestrated it because he knew that tonight he knew what would be going on in the world he knew what would be going on in your world. He knew what would be going on in your family, in your finances, in your life. The stresses, the tension, the trials, the things that are pressing against and bringing anxiety and fear and dread and darkness. But do not forget that it was in darkness when the Prince of Peace showed up. He's never been afraid to show up in difficult circumstances. Whether it was an Egyptian bondage, Babylonian captivity, when it was a giant out in the field mocking God's people, or when there was a Herod 
in the palace. God has never been afraid to show up in difficult times and bring peace to his people. As your eyes are closed, Brother Ethan, if you don't mind singing that chorus, as your eyes are closed right where you are, why don't you just tell God about it? Maybe there's some things you don't want to say it out loud, and I understand there's sometimes there's those those types of things. The good thing about God is you can talk to Him. You can do it out loud. You can pray in your spirit, but you better, but you can pray and ask God. I'm going to give you a moment or two, just whatever your cares may be. It may be a health issue. It may be a relationship issue. It could be whatever, whatever the case may be. I, I, I dare say that at some point we all deal with some form of anxiety and dread and fear discouragement, depression. And so I'm just going to give you a few moments. Go ahead and sing it, Brother Ethan. To pray and supplicate. While he sings, just talk to God about it. And then in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to come to the altar with our hands up and we're going to do the thanksgiving part. And we're going to pray that the peace of God that passes understanding keep your heart and mind just like his word said. got you in his hand, it's going to be all right. You live for him and he'll make it work. Oh, yes, Lord. I'm just giving you a little bit of time to pray and do supplication. God, I need your help. I need you to move, Lord. I need you to touch. thanksgiving and then he said in the peace of God which passeth all understanding you don't have to understand how it's going to work out because the peace of God passes all understanding God I'm thanking you in advance I'm thanking you in the middle of my trial I'm thanking you God because you are the way maker and you are the peace speaker God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know your word said. And if I'll do this, if I'll pray and supplicate and give thanks, and I'll control my thoughts, and I'll do the things that I've had preached and heard, then God, your peace will be with me. I've got a promise tonight. Thank God for peace. 
While he's singing, why don't you reach over and pray for somebody close to you. Minister one to another. Pray one for another. That God would give peace that passes understanding. Speak peace to your people tonight. God, peace over their families, peace over their finances, peace over their health. But most of all, peace over their spirit, Lord. You're a way maker, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord. God, you're the ruler over my situations and my circumstances. God, I'm asking for your peace to keep their hearts and minds, Lord. God, I'm claiming the promise of your word. God, the ancient promise that the apostle wrote centuries ago, I claim it over these men and women tonight, over their families, over their soul. I thank you, God, because your word is true. I thank you, God, because your word is true and it is the remedy and the solution for everything we face in life. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sing it one more time. Why don't you sing it with me? dismissed can we just give God thanks because he knows where we are and the way that we take oh thank you Jesus thank you Lord God for peace that passes all understanding amen God bless you you can be dismissed you're welcome to pray stay and pray as long as you like but you can be dismissed in Jesus name